to start this morning with a question. You don't have to answer out loud, but just think about it. Um, have you ever felt unqualified? Have you ever felt unqualified? You know, like you're just kind of making it up as you go along in life. <laughs> you know, sometimes people refer to it as kind of imposter syndrome. That feeling of like, if people really knew how unqualified I was to be doing this thing, then I'd be, out, be thrown out of here in a second. You know, unprepared for the level of responsibility that you found yourself with, maybe. Um, some of you are thinking, yes, that is my entire life so far. <laughs> um, you know, we can often um, imagine, can't we, when we get to a certain stage in life, this is how I'll feel. And then you get to that stage in life and you think, oh, I thought I'd feel a bit more prepared, a bit more qualified, you know. That's definitely how I feel, you know, how I thought I'd feel when I became a mum, leading in this context. However, you know, lots of times in my life I've thought, oh, I've imagined, that's what it will be like when I get there. Then I get there and I think, oh, I think I thought I'd know what I was doing a bit more. And then, of course, people look at you at a certain stage in life and think, oh, they've they've got it all together, and you hate to kind of break it to them, that you're kind of just making it up as you go along, that you have moments where you feel, you know, unready, unprepared, inadequate, um, unqualified for the place that you find yourself in life. I remember um, distinctly having that feeling when I had my first child, Isaac, and I remember we were in hospital, and we'd stayed in overnight, and then the next day, I had this teeny tiny baby, and um, you know, you have to take a car seat with you if you're going to drive them home, obviously, so I had this uh, little car seat, and I remember packing him in to the car seat, picking him up, light as a feather, and then walking through the Heath Hospital, and then you get to the place, you know, through the doors, and there was a guy in security on the doors, and I remember walking out, they had to cut their tags off so that the alarm doesn't go off as you go through the doors. But I remember, as I went through the doors, waiting for the guy in security to stop me and say, look, I'm going to need some level of, you know, going to see some kind of level of qualification that you've got to take this small child home. I felt totally unqualified. I remember thinking, you know, seriously, are we going to let me take this child home? Are you? Okay, you are, right. You know, I've had kind of more training for, I don't know how to use an Excel spreadsheet than I had on how to look after this child. And there I was taking him home, feeling totally unqualified. And that's the word that I'm talking about today, unqualified. We are finishing our series on Peter, the life of Peter. And for those of you that have been on this journey over the summer through this series, you know that what we've been doing is each week we've been taking a different word and then looking at the life of Peter and and what we can learn, a lesson we can learn around that word. Slightly insulted that I got given the word unqualified. There we go. Although I felt a bit better because James was given the word failure. So at least there's that. Um, But I did notice mine didn't make the slide either, so there we go. (laughs) I know, there we go. Um, And what I want to look at is, through the life of Peter, how he understands this truth of how unqualified he is to be doing what he's doing. And I'm going to look at two stories. One right at the beginning, when Peter is called first called to follow Jesus. And he's on the shores of Lake Galilee, and he has this powerful encounter with Jesus. And he leaves his nets and follows Jesus. And then I'm going to look at a second story in the book of Acts. Um, which takes place when Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen again, and Jesus has gone to be with his Father in heaven. And we see Peter in this moment, who has always been the kind of natural leader of the disciples, amongst the disciples. And uh, we see him suddenly, like, kind of thrust into the limelight, the kind of leader of the early church, of this Jesus movement. And we see him suddenly in this position of responsibility. And I'd love to look at what we can kind of learn from Peter, what, what the truth that he has come to learn, and how he is living out of that truth of how unqualified we are. Okay, so we're going to look at these two stories. The second story we did, you might have noticed, we've already preached on this series, but I'm just going to go back into it in Acts 3. But the first one is in Luke 5, 
um, 1 to 11. So if you want to find it, if you've got a Bible with you or your phone, or it's going to come up behind me on the screen, so you can follow it on there, whatever suits you. Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, it's just harder to say. (laughs) It's the same thing. Uh, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, which is Peter. Confusing Simon, Simon, Peter, Simon, all the same person. The one belonging to Simon or Peter and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So that was Luke Luke chapter 5. And then this one in the second story, Acts chapter 3. So it's the same people. It's Peter, who's Simon in that story, and then John, who was one of uh, Peter's fishing partners in the story as well. So it's the same two people, and here they are. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So just to kind of summarize what happens next. So this guy who has been lame from birth, who was sat there begging outside the temple courts, people going past him every day for years. Um, He's suddenly walking around, jumping, saying that he's been healed. Now, of course, as you would imagine, a crowd gather. They gather in to be like, this is crazy. We all know this guy, and he's now jumping around, saying that he's been healed. And a crowd gather around Peter and John, asking, how are you doing this? And Peter preaches this sermon. He doesn't hold back. He preaches um, a really kind of strongly worded sermon at them. And then, um, as you could imagine, some of the Jewish leaders of the time, um, they get wind of what's happening. They hear Peter's preach, and they are offended by what Jesus is saying about who Jesus was. And they are offended, and they take Peter and John, and they throw them into jail. And then they gather a council of these key Jewish leaders um, to then to meet with Jay, uh, Peter and John the next day. So they gather them in, and um, and uh, and then he's brought before them. And Peter again, he's filled with the Spirit the next morning, and he preaches to these key leaders. He preaches, and um, and he yeah, and uh, and we read this in verse thirteen. When they, that's these leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
I love that last verse. You know, these religious leaders, they see Peter and John. They can, no one can deny that this guy that was lame is now healed. So they can see that. They, they can see Peter and John. And they look at them and they're like, seriously, these guys? These guys did this? These kind of country hillbillies, they did this? They're like, they look at Peter and they say, but you are totally unqualified to have done what you've done. You're totally unqualified. They can't understand it. And Peter was totally unqualified, wasn't he? You know, he was unschooled, uneducated. You know, it's kind of reassuring. You know, the, pa- the, the pages of the Gospels, they don't hold back in telling us how unqualified Peter was as an individual. You know, kind of collectively the disciples can be picked out for some moments of supreme dullness <laughs> um, as a group throughout the Gospels. But, you know, Peter is also singled out on, uh, on his own way for being a bit of an idiot at times. You know, there's the moment where Jesus is talking about the cross, And Peter takes Jesus to one side and tells him off. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which are words you don't want to hear from Jesus. And then there's the moment where um, Jesus is arrested and Peter is full of anger or fear. And he cuts off one of the guard's ears that's come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus has to heal this guy's ear, the guy that's arresting him. There's the moment where, you know, James talked about a few weeks ago where he denies even knowing Jesus. Peter says, I don't even know Jesus. There's a moment in Matthew 15, 16, which I, which I found, where Jesus says to Peter, why are you so dull? <laughs> which I love. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Not a great selection of stories about Peter, but you know what? The thing I love is Peter's story is our story, isn't it? Peter's story is our story. You know, moments when we've acted in anger, moments where we've acted in unbelief, moments where we've had fear or where we've not understood who Jesus is and what he's about. His story is our story. He was a real person with real issues and real brokenness. And there's a danger, you know, this is the last one of the series in Peter, and there's a danger when we do a series about someone like Peter that we think, but that was him. That was him. He was like this super God guy. But he wasn't. He was a real person with real brokenness. He messed up. He knew what it was. He was totally unqualified, an unschooled, ordinary man. So we've got stuff to learn from him. And do you know what I love is Peter's keen that we know this about him. The Gospel of Mark, um, you might be interested to know, it was written by a guy called Mark, who they they believe was translating Peter's preaches into Greek for a Greek-speaking audience. So it was a guy who was literally translating Peter's words. The Gospel of Mark are Peter's words. And then the writers of Matthew and Luke took uh, took Mark's Gospel to write their Gospel. They used parts of Mark's Gospel to write their Gospel. So the gospel accounts are full of Peter's words. You know, the story, we're not reading about some guy telling us about how, what an idiot Peter was. We're hearing about Peter. Peter's saying, that's what an idiot I was in that moment. That's what a doofus I was when I kind of, you know, denied Jesus in that moment. That was me. That was me. These are the words of Peter himself. He's keen that we know this. He's keen that we know this. You know, in short, he's saying, this is how unqualified I am as the person on which Jesus used to, um, to build the early church. That's how unqualified I am. And therefore, by default, that is how amazing God is, by default, that he could do this through someone like me, that he could do all this through someone like me. Peter knows he is entirely unqualified to do all that he goes on to do. He knows that he cannot do all that God is calling him to in his own strength. And this is a profound truth that Peter has realized. It's one that he realizes straight, you know, right from the beginning at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus calls him. And then we see how this truth has transformed him by the time we get to Acts 3, when he heals that man who has been lame since birth. We see Jesus in this moment 
totally humbling Peter, don't we? Back in by the Sea of Galilee. We see him totally humbling Peter. And you know how he does it? By beating Peter at his own game, fishing. If you think about it, it's quite insulting. <laughs> if you think about it, the one thing Peter thought he could do, and Jesus comes along and completely trumps him at it. You know, here's Peter. He's been fishing all night, and he's caught no fish. Peter was, would have been a good fisherman. He's built a business at it. He's got, you know, a sh- kind of a fishing partner. He's got a small business probably at this point. So he's good at fishing. It's not like me fishing, not having not caught anything. This man, if they were fish to have been caught in the Sea of Galilee that night, he would have caught them. And he's caught all night, a frustrating night, getting nowhere. And then Jesus comes along, this guy Jesus, quite cheekily steals Peter's boat. If you read the story, literally just gets in, doesn't ask, gets into Peter's boat. He's got no, as far as we know, Jesus has got no fishing experience at this point. And he says to Peter, hey, put your nets out again. Put your nets out again. One more time. Now, I never know when I read this account, I never know how to understand Peter's tone of voice, what, how he answers back to Jesus. But this is what he says in verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, <laughs> I will let down the nets. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Peter, I'd have been hoping those nets would come back empty so that I got to do a good art. I told you so. If you say so, go for it. But they're going to come back empty. It might just be me. You know when it's kind of you've asked someone to do something or someone's done something against your advice and you're just waiting for it to go wrong so you can be like, yeah, I did say. You know, like, you know, take, for example, like my husband, Matt, you know, might be cooking something for the kids or getting something for the kids and I'll be like, they're not going to eat it. They're not going to eat it. But if you want to have a go, have a go. Mark my words. And I sit back hoping the whole time kids do not eat what's on your plate. And then when they start to eat it, you're like, oh, betrayal. That is betrayal to your mother. I will remember this moment. If I was Peter, I'd been hoping those nets would come back empty. But you know what? They don't, do they? They come back full with the most ridiculous amount of fish. I mean, it's not just like, oh, yeah, a normal amount, you know. And no, it's not like, you know, they come back with a kind of a normal catch of fish that Peter would expect. There were no fish in that sea. And then Jesus comes along, and there are enough fish to break those nets and then to sink two boats. To sink two boats. Jesus is making a point, it would seem. Jesus looks at Peter and he kind of says, you know, this is what you're able to do in your own strength. Kind of a good job by now, you know, you're a good fisherman, Peter. This is, that's what you're able to do. By your own strength, your own efforts. Do you want to know what can happen when I step in? Do you want to know? Do you want to know what happens when I step in, when you allow me to put the nets in? More fish than you could ever want or imagine. Than you could ever need. He's saying to Peter, and therefore to us, here's what I can do when I'm in charge. It makes me think of a story of John Wimber, who started the vineyard movement, you know, 20, 30 years ago now. Um, and he had started his ministry in leading churches and, um, you know, been leading the ministry for years. And probably by our standards, you know, was successful at like a huge church and was traveling the country, training people on how to do ministry. And then he had this prophetic word from this lady who comes up to him. And it completely ruined him. He said, this is what God said to him through this lady. I've seen your ministry. Now do you want to see mine? Oh, insulting. (laughs) That's what John Wimber had been able to do in his own strength to that point. And God spoke to him powerfully and said, do you want to see? What do you want to know what it looks like when you fully let me be in charge? Even in the areas of your life where you feel qualified, compared to me, you are totally unqualified compared to me. It's the same with us. You know, you know the ministry that you lead or the job that you have or the family that you are bringing up. Do you want to know what it looks like when Jesus is in charge? 
you know, even this thing that you think you are good at, this thing that defines you maybe, the thing, this thing that you've let define you, that your thing that you are good at, the invitation from Jesus is to give him the nets, to let him be in charge and see what he can do when you let him be in charge. And you know what, Peter in that moment, he takes one look at the fish that are sinking this boat. He's on a boat that's sinking with fish. He takes one look at Jesus and what does he do? He falls to his knees in worship. He falls to his knees. Because he knows in that moment, he's not just in the presence of a better fisherman than him, but he's in the presence of the very person that created fish in the first place. That divined the waters to spring up that the fish are swimming in. He knows he is in the presence of the God of the entire universe and he falls to his feet and worships him totally aware of his own humanity he says I'm a sinful man get away from me I'm totally unqualified to be in your presence he cries out to Jesus to go away he cries out for Jesus to leave because he feels so inadequate and some of us have had these same moments with Jesus you will have had moments in your life you know maybe that's you here this morning you are here feeling desperately unqualified to even be here this morning desperately unqualified like you've got nothing to offer like you've totally messed up in life and your impulse might be like Peter's to push Jesus away and say get away from me get away from me to hide but let me ask you a question this morning how does Jesus respond to Peter in that passage how does he respond Peter says leave and Jesus's response is no come come follow me don't leave me come close to me Jesus responds by asking Peter to follow him. Follow me, Peter. Let me qualify you. Let me tell you who I've created you to be. And let me give you a life of purpose. Come, don't go, come. Come, follow me. And that is the story of the Christian faith. That is the story of the Christian faith, that by God's grace, we can follow him. Through Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus qualifies us. Jesus qualifies us. Nothing you've done, however unqualified you feel, can disqualify you. You might be here this morning feeling unqualified, but I would love to remind you this morning, you are not disqualified from the love of Jesus. You might feel unqualified. You might be unqualified. You probably are unqualified if you're like me. But nothing will disqualify you from the love of Jesus. He is inviting you this morning to follow him. And it's an invitation from Jesus to follow him, but also Jesus invites Peter to become like him. It's an invitation to follow, but also an invitation for transformation. Jesus says to Peter, come follow me, and then this next bit, and I will make you, I will make you a fisher of men. I will make you, I will qualify you. I will make you, I will qualify you. Fisher of men here, it's, it was it's kind of, it sounds like maybe it's a play of words, fisherman, fisher of men, and it potentially was, but actually... It's, um, it was like a rabbinic phrase. It was a phrase used of rabbis, Jewish teachers of the time. And if you were like an amazing teacher, you were called a fisher of men. And we see the context of this passage, uh, of the first passage I read, is of Jesus. He's been teaching his disciples. And he is getting known locally as, this, as a kind of a, as a famous rabbi, as a fisher of men. He's known as a great teacher, a great rabbi, Jesus at this point. He's gaining a reputation. And he looks at Peter and he says, do you know what, Peter? You have it in you to teach in the same way as me. Come, follow me. Be my apprentice. Be my disciple. Come, be my apprentice. I will make you into what you can become. I will make you. I will qualify you. 
Mark Batterson, who's a pastor in the States, says this, God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, the pressure is off. He qualifies the called. And for Peter, you know, he's there on this boat, it's sinking with the amount of fish on it. And this marks the beginning of him to understand this, to understand this, that he's not being called because he's so qualified, but that God is calling him and then will qualify him, will be transforming him. And you can see by the time we get to Acts 3, this is a man transformed that knows that who he is, knows who God has called him to, knows is completely dependent on God by the time we get to Acts 3. His, uh, uh, Peter's fellow co-worker, Paul, talks about this in, in, a church, in a letter to a church in Corinth. He says this, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 6. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. You know, that's what Paul's learned who wrote this. But this is what Peter learns, comes to learn. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. Peter knows he's entirely unqualified to be this minister of this new covenant. Or if you want to use our language, to be a kingdom carrier. He knows he's entirely unqualified to do this. And that it's God that does the qualifying. And so here we are, Peter on his knees before Jesus. And how does he respond to Jesus' invitation to come follow? To come follow and I will make you. How does he respond? He leaves his nets, he leaves everything and follows Jesus. In that moment, you know, laying down his nets signifies laying down his identity as a fisherman, his business, his earning, his life plan, his security. He leaves it all to follow Jesus. He can see that it's a good trade. It is worth it, but there is a cost involved. You know, every moment we pursue the things of God, every moment we say, God, come, let me, you know, qualify me, Lord Jesus. There's a cost involved. We have to lay something down. You know, it might not be our nets like Peter, but it might be giving up control of our finances. It might be giving up laying down our careers or a relationship in our life that's dis- destructive to us. It might be laying down some kind of freedom that we've got, you know, like what we watch on our phones or something. There's always a cost involved. And we recognize in that moment that God is more qualified than us. He knows how to live our lives. He is more qualified, even at the things we think we're good at. And therefore, we respond in obedience and lay down our nets. By the time we get to this Acts passage, as I've said, we see that Peter has been transformed in living out this truth. That his qualification to do this kingdom stuff only comes from God. And this time we see it's his turn to do a miracle using Jesus' authority, Jesus' qualification. This time it's his turn, and this time it's other people's turn to be amazed at what's happened. We see this man, he looks down at this pitiful beggar and he calls out to him and this beggar looks up at him, expecting to get something from him, a few coins perhaps. And this is what Peter says to him, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What I have I give you, amen. What I have I give you. What Jesus, um, you know, when Jesus sends out the disciples to go, and begin a, king, a kingdom ministry. What is it he tells them? Matthew 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. So we see Peter here living in, standing in that truth. Freely, I'm freely giving what I've received. And what I've received, the thing that's qualifying me is Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the only thing I can offer you. I'm not gonna, I've got no money to offer you. I'm going to give you Jesus. Peter shares what he can with this man, Jesus. 
Jesus is all Peter had to. Uh, Peter is uh, Jesus is all Peter has to offer this man. He's his only qualification, and that is where Peter gets his authority from in this moment, not his own authority. That we, are, you know, Peter knows at this moment that we're not defined by our successes or talents, by our own sense of how qualified we are, our own sense of self worth. It doesn't matter how qualified we feel or don't feel, how ready we are or not. We can depend on him and him alone in these moments. And I think that is a deeply freeing truth. It's a deeply freeing truth that even if this man hadn't been healed, I don't think it would have affected how Peter felt in that moment. Even if Peter had prayed for this man and he hadn't been healed, I don't think it would have affected how Peter felt because he knows that his worth, his qualification comes from Jesus. He knows that that's all he's offering this man. He's not offering his own gifts and talents. He's just offering Jesus. So whatever the outcome is, he knows that he's just offering Jesus to this man. His sense of worth doesn't depend on it. You know, and I'm sure that Peter would have felt deeply unqualified at times. You know, there's a danger, as I said, that we look at the apostles, these early church leaders, and we think, but that was them. I mean, they knew Jesus. That was them. Easy for them. Hard for me, maybe. But you know what? Let's not forget, Peter was an ordinary, unschooled man doing this stuff. He was an ordinary, unschooled man. He was an ordinary person like us. And God used to do amazing things because he learned to depend on God and on his presence. And that's deeply freeing because it means that all my job is is to place myself before God and ask him to use me, to use my nets, my boat, whatever it is I've got to offer. God, they're yours. You use them for your strength and for your glory. Use my strengths, talents, abilities for your glory because you've given them to me in the first place. Freely I've received, freely give, Jesus. Hudson Taylor, who's a great Christian missionary, says this, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. We don't have to pretend to have it all together. We can admit we're weak, that at times we feel inadequate. At times we feel unqualified to do this thing, to do this kingdom journey with Jesus. And that means we can let people around us see how normal we are, how unqualified we are. You know, I love the fact in that um, verse 13 of Acts 3, that moment when those religious leaders look at Peter and John and they just say, you, really you? You know, these men, these Jewish leaders would have been the most qualified people within their community. These were highly trained, highly educated, academic, bright men. You know, they would have been an intimidating bunch to be around. And yet Peter preaches the scriptures at them with all authority and they cannot believe what they are hearing from these ordinary men. How is it that men like Peter and John could do a miracle like this and lame this man uh, and heal this lame man that they've all seen for years begging on the way to the temple? How is it they can preach scripture in this way that seems to make sense and bring truth? How is it that they're doing this? What does the passage say in verse 13? That these men, these leaders, they take note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. That's the only way they can explain it. They take note that these men had been with Jesus. It only makes sense when you factor in Jesus. They look at these men, Peter and John, and say, how are they doing this? And they note that these men had been with Jesus. It only makes sense when you factor in Jesus. And so I suppose this morning my question would be, does your life make sense to those around you? Does it make too much sense to those around you? Do people have to factor in Jesus in your life to even begin to make sense of it? 
Do people have to factor in Jesus to understand why you make the decisions you make? Why you use your finances the way you do? Why you treat others the way you do? Do they have to even factor in Jesus to understand it? If they don't, maybe you're trying to live out of your own efforts, your own qualifications. Maybe there's some nets in your life that you've not been willing to put down. Because I think people should look at our lives and be like, really, you? You're doing this? You're able to speak into my situation in this way? How is it you're doing this? And the answer we have, the only answer we have is Jesus. It's Jesus, nothing else. Sure, I've got strengths and abilities, but it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. This is the journey that we've seen Peter go on, a lesson in his life, a key lesson, how wholly unqualified he was to do the things that God had called him to, that Jesus called him to when he became a fisher of man, a great leader. Jesus, uh, Peter felt wholly unqualified, but fully confident. Wholly unqualified, but fully confident that Jesus would use all that Peter was going to offer for his glory. And the invitation for us to do the same. Should we stand? I'd love just to pray.